0: just want to give you a bunch of things about a friendship, about friends. Having a true friend, knowing who is a true friend, what it means to have friends. And I encourage you to listen. Get off your phones. Don't be on the phone while I'm preaching. Just Let's just see what God has to say about these things, all right? We have them turned off, I hope. Now we don't want to be checking them either. Leave it alone. But um, a true friend... Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, I just wonder, what is a friend? Without trying to find, to go too deep. It's just one who's attracted to another by some kind of affection. There's a drawl, and you spend a lot of time together. It's a companion. That's what a friend is. But we throw that term around very loosely. Uh, I think, you know, they're my friends, and, um, you know, they're my friends, or they're my friends, and we just say, oh, that's my friend, but really, are they a true friend? Uh, what does it mean to have a true friend? I mean, uh, you know, just the way we love ice cream, we love our wives, and we love ice cream. We don't love ice cream the way we love our wives, right, fellas? Shake your head with me. <laughs> that's right, but, but uh, you know, oh, that's my friend. Is it really your friend? Uh, I'm not saying to push them away. I'm just saying, let's see what the Bible says about friendship and what it means to be a friend. So we have good friends. We have close friends. uh, We have best friends. And we have, oh, we're a lifelong friend. You know, you've known them all your life. And then you have bad friends. <laughs> they're not good friends. They're bad friends. But they're your friend? Think about it. A friend is someone you want to be with you want to talk with, spend time with, share personal things with. It's somebody that you trust. Who do you know to be your friend? Who do you know to be your friend? And where do you look for friends? Where do you find a friend, a real true friend? Some people used to be your friend, and they're not your friend anymore. I remember I had different friends before I got saved, and the same friends I, the friends I had after I got saved. And I still wanted to be their friend, but they didn't want to be my friend anymore. Things had changed. You know, I God put me in the light, and they were in darkness, and we didn't get along anymore. The light just, they didn't comprehend it. And they didn't want to be my friends anymore. They knew me and they respected me, but we weren't friends anymore the way I would have considered we're friends. Of course, the friends that we were It was not good. (laughs) We were both sharing in the same sin together. But (laughs) you're friendly to them, but maybe they're not friendly to you anymore. Maybe you've gotten saved, and now you find out there's a lot of people that that um, don't want to talk with you. They don't want to be with you anymore because you've changed. They haven't. And let's face it, darkness doesn't comprehend light, and things are going to be different. So let's be careful who our friends are. Friends, husband and wife should be friends. I really think, come on, right, Weston? Your best friend is sitting right to your left. That's your best friend. It should be a good friend because you always share with them. You trust them. I mean, come on. It's only friends that can go out to a, a a place to eat, sit across the table and not say anything to each other and still be okay. It's just like you're just sitting there And it's okay if you don't say anything to each other. Now, not that you go out and you never talk to each other. I'm just saying if you don't and there's a pause, it's okay. Because you're just friends. And you understand. But uh, maybe it's someone in the church. Maybe it's someone in work. Maybe it's someone you grew up with. But you call him a friend. Now, Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer to the brother. And I don't just think... This is talking about Jesus, but I immediately thought of Jesus. He's always there when when no one else is there, physically or can even get that place in my heart close enough to me to understand. He is, and that's who I want to be my friend, and I want to be his friend. So Jesus, for sure. But do you have anyone that you can call a special friend? Now, don't take that lightly, because believe me, if you have one good, true friend, you are blessed. Somebody that no matter what's going on, you can talk to them, you feel like you're just, your hearts are always knitted together. Jesus was a friend of people and he had friends. He had a friend like Lazarus. John eleven eleven says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Jesus considered Lazarus his friend. So Jesus showed himself to be friendly, and he had a lot of friends. So be a friendly person. Be somebody that uh, shows himself friendly, and you'll draw people to you. They'll want to be your friend. They'll want to be around you and associate with you. See, there's a difference between those who call you their friend and who you call your friend. It's from two different perspectives. But Jesus was the one that showed himself friendly, and a lot of people were attracted to him. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. As I said, I don't want to go real deep. We get this one subject here about friendship. You can just stay in Proverbs the whole time and, and still not even scuff the surface. But John chapter 15 and in verse 13. Graham, what does that say? Greater love hath no man than this. What? That you would lay down your life for your friend. That you would give your life. Now, what kind, of, what kind of love is that? That's a sacrificial love, right? That's a love that goes a lot farther than just affection. Brotherly love, Philadelphia, right? Brotherly love. It's, it's sacrificial love. That's one life for another. But Jesus said, there is no greater love than this that if you would give your life for your friend. And that's exactly what he did. So with that in mind, now, who do you consider your friend? I would guess we'd have to say that there must be different levels of friendship. How close a person is to us. They're my friend, and I want them to be my friend, but they're not that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. They're not that one, would they give their life for me? Would I give my life for them? I mean, Jesus really put the bar awful high. Greater love had no man than this than a man lay, lay down his life for his friends. It's a sacrificial love, one for another. look a parent for a child, as we used to say in a New York second, you'd give your life for your child. What do you think about it? You need a kidney you know what what do you need? You would give it for your child, maybe even a, a stranger if you thought they were a good stranger, you might hey, how many people try to help somebody or pinned under a car and you put your Life in danger you're out I don't know <clears throat> you would do that in combat, they do that when when men fight wars they they give their life for their for their buddies. you see, but Romans chapter five verses six through eight tells us that Jesus gave uh his life for sinners, God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us that's the friend that Jesus is to sinners now. That's a that's a that's a high love, and that's something that we look at only, only in a few people. Maybe you don't even have a friend like that that you know of. That's why I'm saying to have one good friend, you've got a lot. Now, there's bad friends. Turn to Proverbs chapter one. There's bad friends. You know, Job had some strange friends, didn't he? They were a big help. Their counsel really didn't help Job very much. And they kind of misrepresented God. But uh, they were his friends. They were called Job's friends. But in Proverbs chapter 1, and in verse 10, it says, My son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lie wait; lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily, For the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up alive as in the grave and whole as those that go down to the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. Come on, be our friend. My son, walk not thou in that way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to do evil, run to evil, and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. You see that? My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Come be with us. Come be our friend. Come walk with us. Come go go the way that we're going. Don't follow people who don't follow God. They're not your friend. They're not going to help you serve God. We learned that in the 12 weeks to freedom. If someone's not saved, they can't help you serve God. You better be real careful about associations you make outside of Christians. The Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked. In fact, the Bible says here, consent thou not. It's a pretty simple choice. I'm not going to go down that road that you're going down because it's against God. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So you can have some bad friends. You might call them your friend, but they're not doing you a whole lot of good as a Christian. And your light is being snuffed out. Now, Jesus was around sinners all the time. I'm not saying we're not around sinners and we're not supposed to shine our light. But we're not supposed to partake of their sin. Don't follow people who don't follow God. There's a trap waiting for you. For those who are blind to the truth. And the Christian should know the truth. You don't run with sinners, because running with sinners, you're going to find destruction at the end of it. You reap what you sow. The devil doesn't want you to see the snare. He hides it. The Bible says, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. I mean, if you're trying to catch birds in a net, you don't string it up there as they're watching you from the tree, because they're watching and they know that a net is being strung, sprung, strung up. So you do it when the birds aren't around, Amen. So that they fly into it and you catch them. So, the devil doesn't want you to see the snare. He doesn't want you to see that there's that there's a hook with that little worm on it. There's a hook inside that. He doesn't warn you and he doesn't care about you. And he's working through these people sometimes that we call friends to bring us down and destroy us. And cause us all kinds of problems in our life. The devil doesn't care about you, he doesn't love you, but God does. And that's why he gave us the scriptures and the Bible, to help and teach us how to walk. Be careful of your friends, because you can have some bad friends. Turn to 2 Samuel 13. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 13. And verse 3. But Ammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. Ammon had a friend. Well, it seems they must have been cousins, right? Now, I guess the same father, but David had more than one wife. So, it says Ammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. But Ammon, Ammon um, was cousins to Jonadab. But Ammon, I just want you to set this up now. Ammon had a wicked heart. Look at verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. This is his sister, isn't it? Okay, and Ammon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Ammon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. I, I hope so, but he had fell sick for his own sister. Sorry, uh, Tamar is of another um, of another wife of David, but Tamar was still his sister. Maybe it's half-sister or whatever, but it was his sister, and he thought it hard for him to do anything to her. I would hope so. It's wicked. But Ammon had a friend, and that friend was going to help him, show him how to get Tamar and do some wicked things. What kind of friend is that? Ammon called him the Bible says he, he had a friend and he was a subtle man. That means he was sly. He was crafty. He was deceitful. There's some people you don't want to be around because they're sly and they're crafty and they're deceitful. And they're not going to help you walk with God. They're going to help you fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hey, I'll show you how to do that. I'll show you how to get Tamar in here and make you a couple cakes. And then you can take her and defile her. See, instead of sharpening iron, this friend directs you to fulfill those lusts. They're not helping you one bit, Christian, and you need to steer clear of them. What Ammon needed was a good rebuke from a friend, someone to get him back on course. Don't think that way, Ammon. Confess that sin and get away from that kind of thinking. You know, we used to say with friends like that, who needs enemies? Amen? I don't need a friend like that. I don't need somebody that's going to help me sin. Always find someone to agree with you. You can. You can always find somebody to help you sin or think the way you think. You'll find somebody sooner or later. The devil will, will put them right in your path. Some people we call friends, they don't have our, our interests in mind. They don't have our well-being in mind. It's just their own. So be very careful because what happened here was wicked. And Ammon Tucker, Tamar. And he defiled her. All because not only his own wicked heart, but Ammon had a friend who was very subtle. He didn't help him. He encouraged him and showed him how to go down that path to do that wickedness in the sight of God. That's not a friend that I want. Psalm 41. Psalm 41. These are bad friends. Psalm 41. And in verse 9. Gavin, would you read that? Wow. So apparently this this familiar friend, someone who was very close, I believe this is David. David wrote this. He's talking, I believe, about Ahithophel. His trusted counselor. Somebody that he trusted was close to him who gave him up and went after what? Absalom. You remember? And David got a new counselor, Hushai, I think his name was. But yea, my own familiar friend, somebody I trusted in. He was familiar to me. We spent a lot of time together. I took a lot of his counsel. I trusted in him. And he let me down. In fact, it says he lifted up his heel against me. It's not that he just turned away, but he turned away and betrayed him. If this was David, and just turned and lifted up his heel and walked away from him. And walk to Absalom. And I'll tell you, there's sometimes, there's people that you trust, they're going to let you down. You better encourage yourself in the Lord and don't get bitter about it. Don't get bitter, because you could very easily. But but there's friends sometimes that you trust for years. And all of a sudden, they let you down hard. Go to Jesus. Jesus had a friend. He betrayed him. Judas, he said, friend, why have you come? And then he took a kiss from him. He loved Judas. He knew he was going to betray him. And sometimes friends do that. Sometimes that happens. Have some wisdom about what to reveal to people and what not. Now I'm going up another step. You're counseling with people or you're talking with someone you trust. You better make sure that your spirit is witnessing to their spirit. How much... I know that I, they're my friend, but how much should I really reveal about this? How much should I talk to them about? How much do I really want to trust them with? Be careful of who you take counsel from. Make sure you take counsel from someone who is giving you counsel from this book. Not like uh, Jonadab or uh, Job's friends. Someone who's Someone who's telling you the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love to you. Be careful. Because some friends are are going to let you down. And they're going to let you down hard. You need to stay encouraged in the Lord because you can get bitter very quickly at people that you used to love and care about very much. Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will never betray you. So just make sure you have a good friendship with Him. Abraham was the friend of God. That's who we need for our friend. We need Jesus and to stay close to Him. Um, Matthew 26.50 says, And Jesus said unto them, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took Him. Judas was a betrayer. And Jesus knew that. Jesus didn't let Judas betray... Judas didn't let Judas... <laughs> okay. Jesus didn't let Judas's betrayal affect his heart. That's the whole thing I'm trying to say. You can't let it affect your heart. You still gotta let it remain tender. I'm telling you, it's not easy. What I'm telling you is not easy. You are gonna, you're gonna have to spend some time on your knees when somebody lets you down. And somebody betrays you. And somebody speaks against you, maybe. Who you considered your friend. Now you're gonna need God like you never needed him before. Because your heart can get very hard. Sometimes people hurt us. But it is our choice to remain friendly, not their actions. We can choose to remain friendly towards them. Don't become bitter. Because then the bitterness just gets inside of you and it's a poison. It's a poison in your life, that bitterness. Now, friendship with whom? First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15. Just more careful consideration of who you would have as your friend. 1 Corinthians 15 and in verse 33. Um, Emerio, do you have that? Uh, be, have to be they sure do. So whoever you bring in close to you and allow to be your friend... Uh, Better They better be walking with God. They better not be somebody who's going to take you off course because they're going to corrupt good manners. Evil communications, that means evil associations, those who you take into your friendship could corrupt your good manners, your walk with God. It doesn't mean that we can't be friends to people out in the world in the sense that we're shining our light out there. Don't back away from being an influence as a Christian To help them and share the gospel with them. But we don't want to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Be not deceived. Your good manners, all the goodness in your life, will be corrupted through evil communications. You hang around with sinners long enough, you're going to start sinning. You're going to become just like them. Your association of friendship with sinners, uh, that you are not, if you're not influencing them, it's going to defile you. It will defile your walk with God. And it will defile your walk uh, your walk with God and, and your testimony as a Christian to them. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5, you know that, um, well, let me, uh, let me read verse 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication... As is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now this wickedness is going on, right? So, alright, that's what, that's what the, that's what the chapter's talking about. Now come to verse nine. Chapter five, verse nine. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Like this guy who, uh, I believe it was probably, uh, uh, his stepmother, but he took his father's, uh, his father's wife, and uh, he became a fornicator. And it says in verse 10, Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man is called a brother, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without God judges. Therefore put away from among yourselves the wicked person. He's saying this guy that's in the church and committed fornication, if he's unrepentant, get him out and don't associate with him. But that doesn't mean you're not going to associate with fornicators. You don't know who they are out there. You you would have to go to outer space and live on Mars, is what he's saying. But you can't do that. You're here now to have an influence outside of the church with people who are covetous, fornicators, and all the rest. Just like we were. But you are washed, right? So we're supposed, to, we're supposed to have an influence on them. So I'm not saying don't spend time with sinners. You do it all the time already. It's just that we don't partake of what they're doing. We have contact with them. Who knows Psalm 111? Standeth in the way of sinners. Okay, so don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way. That means don't go with them. Don't walk with them. Don't be in their lifestyle. But there's sinners everywhere. We're just not to partake of that. But we are to be a light to them. Hey, every one of us was a sinner that somebody came and shined a light on, didn't they? Every one of us. So that's not what Paul's saying. But once you come into the church... You ought to know what's right and wrong. And if you're an unrepentant fornicator, well, then God says, cast them out. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And that's what that chapter is about. So, just be careful who your friends are, but don't think that you're not supposed to be an influence to the people all around you that you meet every day. Now, Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter twenty-two, Kathy verses twenty-four and twenty-five. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a man. Wow! So be careful making friendship with an angry man. Now, this could even be with a, you know, brother in the church or sister in the church. They're just angry. They're bitter. Be careful. See here it says uh, uh, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. It doesn't take long to get from anger to furiousness or wrath. It can go like that. But uh we need to be careful. The escalation from anger to wrath and fury can be a very short time. But we need to be careful that we don't make make no friendship with an angry man. Don't associate with people, don't befriend people who are just angry. They're just upset all the time. Uh, They probably don't have a lot of friends to begin with. Because in order to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly. But there's people that are just angry and bitter. But what happens is they can lead you down that road. If you're not influencing them, they will influence you. And before you realize it, you're going to start getting angry. I know. Because I watch too much Fox News, trying to get the news back of what's going on in the world. And sometimes I... I walk away from the computer. (laughs) What's going on over there? Why are they doing that? You know, I just need to, you know, I need to close the lid on it, really. I need to go read my Bible. But make no friendship with an angry man. It just kind of oozes onto you, you know? You find yourself trapped. That's what it says, a snare. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. And you're going to feel trapped Because you become just like him. It is a recipe for disaster to go with an angry man. You're trying to help him get over that anger, to put it away. Especially if, obviously, it's an unrighteous anger. You may not even realize the change that's come over your life and how that angry man has influenced you. Be careful in your own home and around your children to be angry. They see that. They're influenced by it. The escalation can go... Very quickly, James four four, James four four, Marcus. Now, does anybody want to be God's enemy? No. We were before we got saved. We were at enmity with God. But He's made peace through the blood of Jesus Christ His Son. And now we want to go back and, and put ourselves at odds with God? But He says it's going to happen and you might as well call yourself an adulterer or an adulteress because you found another love. You've left me and you found something else that you want to embrace. But make God... And his ways, the things that you embrace, not the ways of the world. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So, you know, the world doesn't really love us. The world doesn't care about us. Satan doesn't love us, but God does. And uh, God loves you, but the world doesn't. So we want to embrace the ways of God. Are you ready? Look, if I was to ask the men or even the women, are you ready to commit? Adultery? Physical? Sexual adultery? Are you ready to do that? No. Say no. <laughs> no. But then why spiritual adultery? Because that's what he's talking about. You've left your first love. You've decided to find something else that you love more than me. But we don't look at it that way, do we? We really don't. For us to physically go out and commit adultery, that's wicked. But we commit spiritual adultery all the time. We choose something over God. And we put Him behind us. And God says, you've just broke the covenant, in a sense, just like a marriage covenant. You brought a third party into the relationship that only you and I should have. And you've brought the world into where I want that place. That's my place. And now, that's become your first love. We're not ready to commit physical and sexual adultery like that. In fact, even though it look a man looks on a woman to lust after he's committed adultery, where? In his heart. But we do it all the time spiritually, we don't think we don't think of it as much, as bad. But there is someone that does, and that's the one that we've hurt, God. Now the marks of a true friend. Uh Proverbs seventeen seventeen. A couple more scriptures. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. The marks of a true friend. Dennis, do you have that? Mark, uh, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. Proverbs seventeen seventeen, yep, seventeen. <laughs> Amen. Ten plus seven. I know I'm I'm speaking like I'm from New York or something. You can't understand me. <laughs> Amen. A friend loveth how much? All times. And a brother is born for adversity. This is the kind of friend you want. Boy, if you can get a friend that's always there in the rough times, in the tough times, they're just always there to sit with you, to talk with you, to counsel with you, to get maybe a little bit of backlash from you. They're just there with you all the time. They'll be there for you. They won't give up on you. That is somebody that's a good friend. That's the mark of a true friend. If you have somebody like that, you better hold on to them. You better pray for them. You ought to thank God for them because not everybody has a friend like that. I can tell you that right now. Even in here, I'll bet half of us don't have a friend that's there for us all the time. In fact, God put them there specifically for the troubles, the troubles, troublesome times in our life. When the rough spots come, there they are. The one person that we can trust. The one person, that good friend who is a blessing. By the way, they're a treasure. They are precious. You ought to thank God for one good friend. A friend that loves at all times. And this brother or sister who is born for adversity. Who's there when just nobody else is going to meet the bill. Yes, I have Jesus, but now He's put somebody right by my side that I can physically touch and hold and talk to. And can counsel me. And help me. Just be with me. Look at Proverbs 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Verse 5 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Verse 9, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. I tell you, I don't know how, maybe you uh, have already been there. You've asked somebody for counsel and they just gave you exactly what you needed. You heard exactly what you needed to hear. The truth was, was given to you. And let me just tell you, nothing will surpass good counsel. Nothing helps you more than having a friend that tells you exactly what you needed to hear. There's nothing like it. I've gotten counsel before where people have told me what I wanted to hear. And then all of a sudden, the the fifth time, the fifth counselor I had, he went, bing, uh, told me something I didn't want to hear. And I was like, but he was telling me the truth. That's the counsel I took. The other counselors were telling me, I think, what I wanted to hear. And it's easy to just Go along with it. But there's a friend. This is a friend who tells you the truth. Exactly what you need to hear. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Don't say you love somebody and not be willing to tell them the truth to help them. That is the kisses of an enemy. And they're deceitful. And they're unfaithful. But the wounds of a friend who tells you the truth, and tries to get you on the right path, they're faithful. Those wounds will heal very quickly. And you'll be glad in the end that you had somebody that told you the truth. Open rebuke is better than secret love. You know what they're doing? Openly loving you. And they care more about they care more about you than what you think of them. Telling you that hard those hard things. It's not a secret. They're not holding back their love. They're telling you exactly what you need to hear. The same thing you would do with your children. You tell them the truth. Be careful of the enemy's kisses. The outward show. No help. Everything will be okay. Oh, what did they do to you? Oh, what happened? No. I want the truth. Help me. I need help. The wounds may hurt, but, they, but they're going to heal. It, it'll get better. And they're faithful, as I said. They're helping. And they're protective. That's what you want. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. This friend cares more about you than what you think of them because they're telling you the truth. And it hurts. But in the end, it's because they love you. That's what real love does. It tells the truth. And then in the same chapter there in verse 17, the Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. A good friend will keep you sharp. A good friend will tell you the truth. A good friend is one who's living right. You know, we have our knife. I always carry a knife on my on me when I'm just, when I'm not. When, I don't have it with my suit, but I always have my knife on me. I I don't know. I carried it for thirty four years, so I'm still carrying it as a missionary in Ireland. But that's just what I'm used to. But. It, Anytime I would walk past a honing stone or a grinder when I was working, flip that knife out, zzz, zzz, and i put an edge on it. And you know what? I couldn't do that on a block of wood or a cinder block wall. I had to find something that was harder than my knife. And that grinding stone would do that. Or a honing, a honing rod. To get that knife as sharp as I could get it, because we did a lot of cutting of rope and things like that. But as soon as I was near in a machine shop or something, shoot, shoot, two little pull passes on that stone. Because that stone was harder than the knife blade. So you need somebody that's going to sharpen you. That's walking with God. That's a good friend. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. He's going to be the honing stone. She's going to be the one that puts an edge back on you and helps you keeps you sharp you may not like it when you're in sin you may not like it when they come and tell you the truth you need to knock that off i care too much about you to see you go down that you know, go down that road but when you're dull this friend is the sharpening stone this is the person that's going to help you and get you back on on the right track and because they give good counsel And you can look at their life and say they're living right. I'm glad I have a friend. That's a that's iron sharpening iron. And then finally, turn to James chapter two. James chapter two. James chapter two. And in verse twenty three. Eric, would you read that? James two twenty three? Wow, he was called the friend of God. Abraham was called the friend of God. That's 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 a nice title. You'd like people to say, "Hey, uh, Emilio, you're a friend of God." We watch the way you live your life. You know, you you believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. That means he obeyed. He not only believed God, but he obeyed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Like it was his faith was being shown in what he did and how he walked with God. And then he was called the friend of God. How would you like to be known? As God's enemy or God's friend? Obviously, we want to be called the friend of God, just like Abraham. Then let's believe God. Let's believe our Bibles. Let's believe what God has said. Because when we believe God, it honors Him. It honors God that we're trusting in Him and believing in what He said. Just like Abraham. And then, let's obey God. Because obedience to God shows our love for our friend. We can already say, You're my friend, Lord. I want to be Your friend. And I'm going to do that by believing You, walking by faith, and then obeying You and honoring You. What is that verse in Scripture, John fourteen fifteen. Who knows it? Come on. If you love me, keep my commandments. obey me, show me how much you love me. You want to be a friend of God? Believe him, and then obey Him. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, just a few thoughts, Lord, that we could hopefully help us to to know what's a good friend. And uh, what's a bad friend? And then, Lord, for us to be a good friend to someone else. And Father, tonight, if we have somebody that's we can consider a good friend, we've got something precious. We've got a piece of gold. We better thank you for it and hold on to it. And Father, look at our own lives. and our, Do we show forth the marks of a true friend? Because you've given us something very precious when we have a friend. It's a treasure. That brother is born for adversity. They're ju- there just when we need them. May we never take advantage of our friend. But help us to be the friend to someone else. But especially to you, Lord. That others would look at us and say, That is the friend of God. We know that you've made us your friends, but now we want you to we want to be known as a friend to you by people around us. So, Father, help us to believe you. And, uh, um, help us to obey you and walk with you, Lord. So Father, I just pray you'd bless this message, these few thoughts to our heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.